Turn your Bibles, please, to, to Job. Job 10, verse 1 in the New International Version. Now listen to what Job says. I loathe my very life. <clears throat> I'm not happy with my life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint. I'm just going to say whatever I want to say and feel whatever I want to feel. I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just don't feel, I, I, something's wrong. I'm going to give free reign to my mouth. Now, some of y'all need to rein that mouth in, but he gave free reign to his mouth. And he said, I'm going to speak. Now, watch this. I'm going to speak out in the bitterness of my soul. He's giving you a key there. I'm not going to speak out of faith. I'm not going to speak out of love. I'm not going to speak out of hope. I'm not going to speak out of what I've uh, obtained with the presence of God. Listen to what Job said. He said, I'm going to speak out of the bitterness of my soul. Let me go on record as saying you will never receive anything good speaking out of the bitterness of your soul. Has anyone here ever spoken out of the bitterness of their soul? Now, don't lie to me. We have. It'll never work. We speak out of the bitterness of our soul, and there's things in our lives we think that God's going to touch us. We think that God is going to heal us. We think God is going to set us free, but all we do is speak bitterness. I know people that that's, uh, Vic, that's all they know to speak is bitterness. They're constantly bitter. And I've got some people very close to me that <clears throat> I know they're going to be bitter. That's just who they are. But God is looking for a person that's delight, filled with delight. But I see where Job is coming here. He said, I am, I'm going to speak out of the bitterness of my soul. I've got a complaint. I'm in a strange place. Job was in a place he had never been before. It was unexplainable, unbelievable. Yet guess what? He was there. Here was a man that God himself said, there's no man like him. He was righteous, and yet now he's in a place he's never been before. And I'm here to tell you today, there are people sitting here today, in the next few weeks or months, you're going to go through things you've never gone through before. But you still have to stay the course. Last few weeks, I went through some things I'd never gone before and don't want to go back that way again. I went through it. And Job was going through that. He said, man, here I am. Even God himself says, I I'm cool. Everything's well. But now I'm in this strange place. It's unbelievable. He went from wealth, extreme wealth, to extreme poverty. He went from health to sickness to boils all over his body. And where once there was a family and they had great family uh, Meetings and gatherings and laughter. His family's dead now. The enemy attacked with both guns blazing. What in the world? I can see him now in this statement. What in the world's going on? My world is twisted. Yet he was righteous. He was not in sin. Job was not a sinner. But guess who was standing watching his righteousness? Not only God was watching his righteousness, but the enemy of his soul was watching him. Sometimes we go through negative things and it's not our fault. 
It's not because we've been bad. It's because we've been doing what's right. Come on. We've been doing what's right. And sometimes we're heading in a direction to do that which is right. And God has shown us, this is what I want you to do. And you start to do it and you wonder, Pastor Mike, you're wondering, what in the world am I doing wrong? Because everything has come against me. But what we don't see is the hand of God watching every move we're making. He sees us when we're weeping. He sees us when we're lonely. He sees us when we're crying. He sees us when we're laughing. He sees us in the funeral home, and he sees us in the home of celebration. God sees us in the light and in the darkness. You can't run from the eyes of God. But where in the world is this going? What, What am I doing? What's happening to me? I don't like it. I don't want it. I thought I was righteous and nothing evil was going to come my way. The psalmist said this. Here's what something. The psalmist said in Psalms 31, 9 through 10 in the New International Version, Be merciful to me, O God. Don't you see who I am? (laughs) Oh, God, please. Have you ever said, God, have mercy on me? God, have mercy on me. Oh, Lord, for I am in distress. I'm losing it here, God. My eyes grow weak and sorrow my soul and my body is with grief. My life is consumed. My life is consumed. Wrapped up in anguish and my years by groaning and my strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. That means I've lost it all. What is he saying? I'm getting tired. I'm getting weary. I'm getting, I'm getting, I feel, I'm getting old. I feel useless. I feel hopeless. That's what he's saying. I've never been in this place before, but God, hear me. Why do I feel this way? Have you ever felt strange? Why do you feel strange? Because you don't understand what's going on in your life. Why do I feel like this? What have I done? That's the next thing we ask. What have I done? It's some, most times it's not what you have done. It's what you have not done. We've not taken the time or invested our time in that, those things that are valuable and are life-changing. Then we start saying, what have I done? We start trying to intellectualize it. Who have I wronged? My world is upside down. But you may be in a place for greatness. You may be just in a place where God can use you. God can't use perfect people. God will use people that are flawed because they understand. I don't think God has to worry too much about finding flawed people because everybody I know is flawed. But we live in a time when there's a cry of hopelessness, a cry of dismay. And it's heard amongst not only my, my neighbor or my friends here or there, it's my family, those that are close to me. We come to a place where it seems like, how many people have ever mapped out what you're going to do in your life, in your mind? You've got a plan for your life. But oftentimes, our plans 
are not what's important. Whenever I've set a plan, God comes on the scene and says, you know, it's, it's a, he's very gentle. It's a pretty good plan. I kind of like where you're going with that. But have you considered this? Every time he does that to me. That's why I said to somebody this week, I've got some important things I've got to go through this week. And I said, look, I know what I would do, but I don't want to do what Alan Meshagan wants to do. I want to do what God wants to do. Because I know God has a plan, and I'm not going to try to circumvent God's plan. Because God can be helping me and me trying to say, no, I'm not going to go that route. But God's saying, hey, I'm trying to help you, dummy. We keep waiting for God to perform a miracle to get us out of the flood. And here he sends a canoe, he sends a motorboat, he sends a helicopter, and we say, no, we're waiting for God to get us. And God's trying to say, I'm, I've, I've sent you help three times. We go to the doctor and he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm claiming a miracle. I'm claiming a miracle. Doctor, you can't do nothing for me. I just came here so you could tell me what's wrong with me. I'm claiming a miracle. Not realizing that God has given them wisdom and he's blessed them. He has done it. It's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. He's done that for our good. And I've had to face that in my life. Because when I was early on in life and early in ministry, I wouldn't let nothing affect me as far as medicines or doctors or nothing. I was hard-headed. Then God showed me one day, you need it. He said, you need everyone. And everyone has their talent, their ability. But we get these plans, and we think that those plans are paramount, that they're the ones that has to be. It seems like all the plans that we said this, all the plans I've made have been erased. They've just been erased, and we've, we've left with something we don't even recognize. What in the world is going on with my plan? My plan. What's happening here? Would you believe me if I was to say to you today, which I think you would, if I were to say that much of our sorrow and much of the things we're going through, the hopelessness, the helplessness, the things we feel, is all self-inflicted. We did it to ourselves. We never take personal responsibility. That's something I've learned in my life. Hey, you're going to take some kind of responsibility with your choices. You made the choice. And once it's made, you've got to walk through the process. Things I've heard even this morning. People say to me, I thought I was doing the right thing, but it didn't work out like I thought it would. Why? Because it wasn't the right thing. How many people know this? You can do the right thing at the wrong time. And it's still wrong. But most of the things we go through in life has been self-afflicted. Self-inflicted. We've allowed our dreams things we've dreamed, dreamt about, and even our relationship with God to be governed by another. Other thoughts, other feelings, other ideas. We allow our destiny to be guided by another's desire. How does that happen? We make a choice. And then it's out of our hand. We give it over to another. We don't need to give over our destiny to another. 
We start out in strength. We start out knowing where we're going. We know we, we start out in uh, uh, having a handle on things, and we end up in weakness. We do that. I've done it. There was a man that I love to talk about. His name was Samson. If I could count the times I preached about this old boy. But let me tell you something. Here's a man that was truly a Hercules. A real Hercules. He was strong. He was a judge in Israel. I mean, he was the 14th and the last judge. I want to take you to a moment here for a moment in Judges 13, 24 through 25. Just, I want to give you a little thought here about being certain things are self-inflicted. Because you see when he started out in Judges 13, 24, and a woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord, what's the next few words? And the Lord blessed him. He had no reason to be down. He had no reason to be discouraged. He had no reason to be defeated. But here he is. He's blessed of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord. <clears throat> watch this. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move on him at times. In the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshterol. What happened? How I many he's moved on his mighty. He's got God's hand on him. Samson started something that he should never have done. He started following another plan, another desire, another roadmap for his life. He allowed his eyes to deceive him. He allowed that. He was more led by flesh than spirit, Abraham. He let the flesh lead him. And let me tell you, the flesh, the flesh will lead you down a path of destruction. It'll do it every time. It'll lead you to something you do not want to leave. Flesh will lead you into an imbalance. How many people know you need a balanced diet? And that's what in life, it, the flesh will lead you to an, an imbalanced diet. Not a balanced diet, but an imbalanced diet. You start doing the things you don't need to do, saying the things you don't need to say, seeing the people you don't need to see, listening to words of, of, that are not words of faith, Man, I'm telling you, I mean, Brother Jimmy, he, he, he don't know, it blessed me this week. He said, you're, he said, he wrote me and he said, you know, not just one time, every time he wrote me this week, he said, you know what, God really likes you. Yeah. Talking about things, he said, God really likes you. You know what, let me say this, sometimes when God really likes you, you end up like Job. Because the enemy don't want to see you happy. He doesn't want to see you happy. He doesn't want you singing and praising God. He doesn't want you reaching your family and your community. Let me tell you something. The only way we're going to reach our community is we ourselves have to be a burning torch. A light. Where people see something different. We cannot be just like everybody else and tell them to change. Samson started leading by what he, uh, it's sort of like when I was a kid. I don't do this anymore. But you take me into a cafeteria, and I, I don't know what to do. What I mean by cafeteria, buffet. Here I go. 
They always start out with the salads. And then you get the veggie tables. You look at the veggie tables and got a few condiments here and there. And then you get down to the meat. But invariably, I'm walking by and passing it because I see the pie. I just can't help it. I'm looking at the pie. I'm looking at the, the, the things that I like. Because when I was young, man, <clears throat> the value was on the pie, not on the vegetables. <laughs> the vegetables. No, no. So Samson was sort of that way too. He, he's all empowered and blessed, but he went down the buffet line, and guess what he did? He wanted to go to the But God says you're going to have a balanced diet. I mean, look at Judges 14, verse 1. Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman. And in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines, he goes to the enemy's camp to find a woman. And he came and told his father and his mother, and he said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines now. Therefore, get her for me. I want her. I want to just stop right there on that verse and tell you, I want to skip something. He said, I saw something I really wanted. Here's, the, here's something I learned this morning. Quit looking to other people to find your joy. Send his family out. Go find them for me. Quit sending other people to find your joy, to, to find your destiny, and to find your purpose. You are in control of it. And don't blame anyone else just because you chose them to go get them. I'm not going to blame them. It's me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. I have a whole sermon on that I preached years ago. Quit looking to other people to find your joy, your destiny, and your purpose. That's between you and God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, and this is something... Samson needed to read, for we walk by faith and not by sight. If he's God's man, which we are God's men and women, we should realize that if his hand is upon us, he knows what we need when we need it. He knows where we need to go when we need to go it. God has got a plan for our lives. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may think the Lord has, has forgotten me. He has not forgotten you. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's just fact. As God's creation, we should walk by the Spirit, listening to His leading. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What did Samson do? He went from one challenge to another challenge to another challenge, led by not faith. He was led by his flesh. And when this happens, your life starts to go into a spin and you start talking like Job. You start talking like the psalmist. My life's in distress. God, why did you let me get marry that woman? God, why did you let me marry that man? God, why did you let me start that business? And God said, excuse me. I didn't send your parents to go find that woman. 
There it is right there in the scriptures. Never, I've read that hundreds of times. But it just clicked on me this morning. We keep sending other people to do something we should do for ourselves. No matter what you've got yourself into. No matter where you are in life. Your present situation. You can overcome and be victorious. Your eyes may have led you in a negative path. But the spirit can lead you out of that valley. But let me say this. If your eyes have got you in it. If your flesh has got you into it. Make no mistake, you're going to have to go through the process. Don't you think it's going to happen overnight? You got yourself there, you're going to have to go through the process. But you see, Samson didn't realize what he was doing. Because all he cared about is what he wanted to feel. But it put him in a place of Job and the psalmist. Now he's blinded. The same eyes that was looking at all those things he wanted on the buffet line, now his eyes are blinded. He's blinded. They took away his sight. And now he's standing. And he says, God, move on me one more time. And what did God do? God touched him, blessed him, and moved on him. And in his death, he... He destroyed more Philistines than he did in his life.